Good morning, podcast listeners. This is George here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. So glad that you've tuned in. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for each and every one of you that, that listen to these podcasts. I hope that you're growing. I, I hope that they're helping. Um, I hope that uh, the podcast is something that just helps you get through your daily walk. Um, it's Sunday morning, the 19th of July. I'm here at the church and in my office um, getting ready for Sunday's message, praying a little bit, thinking about you. Um, God has been so good to me. To have the ability to sit here and talk to you, it, what, what an amazing uh, thing this technology is that we have, that we can communicate to one another, and I can reach people uh, far beyond these church walls. I'm, I'm so, so thankful for that. We're in a sermon series entitled Foundations. Maybe you heard last week, if, if you didn't, please go back and pick up uh, part one. This is part two. And you might be asking yourself, why foundations? What is it about foundations that Pastor George feels it's so important to talk about? Well, I, I, I gotta honestly tell you, in the realm of our everyday life, our life here on this earth, we're not talking about heaven, that's a totally different subject. We're, we're talking about life here on earth. That's what foundations are all about. If you don't have a strong foundation of what you believe in, you will fall. Something else will come along and you'll change your belief system and you'll try something new. And eventually that will wear out and you will fall. And then you'll pick up another great idea Foundations are so incredibly important. I can't emphasize enough how important your foundation is. A foundation in your life is what you truly believe. It's where you stand. It's, it's what you do. It's who you are. If you're a Christian, do you have a solid foundation that you're standing on, even through hard times? This pandemic that we're all going through right now, it's, it's difficult and it's annoying. And for some people, it's, it's been treacherous because the news media tells us that all these people have died. Um, I'm not saying that I don't believe. I'm saying I think they stretch the truth a bit. That some of these people may have died from other actual other causes, but this virus is what set things into motion. We go through hard times. When you go through a really difficult time, if you don't have a strong foundation, you will find yourself blaming God. You'll find yourself getting angry at God. Why me? Why does this have to happen to me now? Why does this have to happen to my child or my grandchild or whoever it is, my grandpa, my grandma? God gave us this incredible gift when he created us, he said, I'm gonna let you choose. In Deuteronomy, he says, I set before you life and death. And then he gave us a little hint. He said, choose life. Choose life so that you and your generations will live. Why? Because we build a foundation of Jesus Christ. We build a foundation on God. It's not about us. We're all going to go through hard times. We're not, just because you become a Christian, you're not immune 
to having hard times. We see the good times as a huge blessing and we realize how good God is to us. But understand, we all have hard times to go through. I mean, just getting old, that's, that's kind of increases the hard times. I, I don't get it. You know, the guy who coined the phrase, you know, the golden years, I'd like to smack him in the mouth because my golden years are riddled with arthritis pain in my fingers and my hands. But you know what? I'm so blessed because I stand on a foundation of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me. Nothing should be able to separate you from the love of God. That's what this is about, is building those foundations before the real treacherous times come. We have to go to work now. We have to build these foundations so that we can stand in the really difficult times. There I go preaching to you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I'm just talking to you. The sermon's going to get started here in a few minutes. I hope you enjoy. This is Foundations Part 2. This one is kind of interesting. Let me give you the title. The people in church won't have the title till later, but I'll give it to you. I have a past, but I don't live there. We all have a past, and we have to understand that our past cannot dictate to us what our future is going to be. With God's help, we can do all things through Him. Listen, I'll talk to you soon. Message is going to get started here in a few minutes. Sorry I talked so much this morning. God bless. This morning we're going to jump into part two of the sermon series that I've called Foundations. If you didn't or weren't here last week, I highly recommend that you get the podcast and listen. I sometimes listen to the podcast and it's a way for me to improve myself. Uh, listening to your own voice sometimes is difficult. Um, but I found myself last week, I was listening to the podcast as I was driving and all of a sudden it was like, I was into what I was saying. I forgot who was talking to me. I mean, and all of a sudden, well, that's me. No, that's God. That's God. It's vital. It's so important that we build foundations now. I know you thought, yeah, it's going to be easy. I like it. Yeah, Pastor, talk about foundations. Yeah. Simple truths. Yes. Man, it's so much more than that. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing simple about building foundations. Ask any builder. He will tell you it's the hardest part of the whole project is the foundation. If it's done poorly or substandard, it will affect the entire structure. It can ruin its integrity. It can ruin the whole structure. So why, Pastor, are you using that kind of analogy? You're going from building to spiritual. I mean, I don't get it. It... What do you really believe? See, this is what it's all about. It's what you really believe. Bottom line, in the gut. Do you believe this? Is this what you stand on? 
you'll know when tragedy hits. And I'm not a predictor, but guess what? We live in a world that's lost and dying. Good things happen to bad people, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Each one of us is going to be faced with some point in our lives that's going to challenge you that what you're standing on, do you really believe? Because if you don't, if you think, yeah, yeah, it sounds good at church, but when my child is laying there close to death, are you going to be able to stand? I'm trying to tell you that I, I can't seem to emphasize this enough, that foundations are important if you have built a solid foundation to stand on. I have known Christians all my Christian career. They love the Lord and are saved, but they never seem to get anywhere where they want to be. You ever known people like that? They just seem to stay in that same cycle. And, and uh, they'll go for three or four years, coming to church, going strong, everything's in, and pretty soon they go back the other way. All of a sudden, they're split up, they're getting a divorce again, things are falling apart, my car got repossessed, everything just gets right back where they started years before. I see it. I've seen it. They don't have a solid foundation. They're, they're going through the motions. They're, they're playing the part. They're strong for a while, but somehow find themselves back where they first begun, defeated and wondering, why is it that God just doesn't like me? Why doesn't he choose me? And I'm telling you that he can't. If you haven't built a solid foundation for him to approve and say, there's a young man, there's a young woman who has built a solid foundation, it's time to start on with the superstructure. It's time to move them forward. But if we haven't, if we haven't built that foundation, it's going to get red-tagged every time, just like you do in a building apartment. Sorry, you can't move forward. you got to fix it. you got to get this right. Because at the foundation, why would a loving God allow you to build an incredible ministry on a foundation that's faulty? Why would he do it? He wouldn't do it, because if he did, it would collapse. And guess what? It's going to take down more than just you. It's going to take down all those who have been looking at you and, and wondering why this had to happen. Why would God do anything if we haven't built a solid foundation in our lives? The ruler of this world, Satan, he's ready to dish out all the trouble that can be dished out. This sermon series is not for the weak of heart or for part-time Christians. What Jesus called lukewarm. This scripture is a frightening one, if you ask me. Revelation 3.16 So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. No one likes that scripture, especially lukewarm. 
Nobody likes it. So here's the title of our message today. Yes, it's Foundations Part 2, but i got to give it a title. I have a past, but I don't live there. I have a past, but I don't live there. This is the foundation of our future. We all have a past, but as believers, we do not have to live there. It may influence us, but it does not have to define us. Everyone has done things they regret, but our past does not have to position our future. Our past does not have to position our future. The Apostle Paul, who had an infamous past and is a good example of this way of thinking, if the enemy is going to attack us in any area, it will always be an attempt to tie you to what happened before. What happened in your life before. It is not a good thing for us to get stuck in our past. If we realize we have camped there too long, we must let go and move on. When we encounter people who try to get us to live in the past, we must deliberately reach out of what lies in the future. So here's point number one. And let me give you a little bit of um, disclaimer. I've got a ton of scripture in this, in this message today. And sometimes what happens, I'm looking at the clock, I've got lots of time. So I, I should be able to go through all of them. But what happens when I have a lot of scripture, it, I get excited and I get nervous and I start pushing through really fast, really fast, thinking that I don't have enough time to get it all out. I'll try not to do that. I'll try to just keep it slow and methodical. Point number one. When the enemy calls attention to our past. Philippians 3, 1 through 7. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write some things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. You gotta, the Apostle Paul's writing here. You've got to kind of get into his head. He knows who he was, but he doesn't live there. He was a persecutor of Christians. You're going to see later, he's going to say, I'm the chief of them all. But yet God has used me to move forward to the future. And he's doing it, not that it's tedious, it's not hard for me to stand here before you, but it's so that you will be safe, so that you will understand. And then he goes on to verse 2, he says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of manipulation. Mutilation, excuse me. This mutilation is an interesting word. It's the same word, but different than the word for circumcision. It's, It's a very interesting place. The words are important. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He talks a lot about the circumcision. And what we have to understand, it's we're talking about the circumcision of our heart. What's changed? 
since we've come to Jesus Christ and we begin to believe and act more like him. Let's look at verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Listen to this. Circumcised, verse 5, in the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He come from the stock of the Benjamin tribe. But he wasn't serving God at all. He was a Pharisee. Do you realize to be a Pharisee, he had to memorize all the five books of the Bible? To memorize them. They had to memorize them. It was an incredible place to be able to say that he was. But let's look at verse 6. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. This is the Apostle Paul telling us about himself. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So no matter how many degrees that he had in his theological expertise as a Hebrew, it meant nothing. He counted as loss. Paul was admitting that he did not understand everything, yet he had learned to reach toward the future, refusing to let the past hold him back. For Paul, it was vital that he forget what was behind him, and we must have the same kind of mindset. Now, I realize I'm talking to uh, righteous people. You don't have, none of you have a past, right? No, 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 man, he's shaking his head. No, I ain't got a past. That Manny over there. Yeah, I ain't got no past. What are you talking about, Pastor? Oh, I don't even want to glorify by talking about my past. And I thank God that it does not dictate my future. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain in Christ. Man. Verse 9, it says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. You know, it's by being good, by the goody-goody things we do, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. Do you really believe that you're the righteousness of God through God by faith? Are you ever looking back at at who you were in the past? You got to stop and and know that you are the righteousness of God no matter what your past looked like. Verse 10, it says, I may know him and the power of, of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's what we're all looking for, is the resurrection from the dead. We live forever. 
Man, that's got to be something to smile about. We, can't, we don't die. Oh, yeah, our earthly bodies, we're finally going to get old, and it's going to go back to dust, but we don't die. We immediately go to the presence of the Lord. Verse 12, it says, Not that I may already attain, not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold on me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. When we realize that we've been hanging out on our past too long, it's time to cut our ties and move on. Our future anointing and assignment from God is at stake. I didn't say your salvation was at stake because I honestly don't believe that. But what about the life that you live here on this earth? What about the people around you, your kids? Those who are reading off your example. If they see you doing good, you're going along great, and then all of a sudden you're looking back at the past and say, I'm just no good. I'm, I've, just, I've done these things. and You can't do that. We have to press forward. Remember the woman at the well? She had a past. But Jesus did not hesitate to call her into the ministry. I'm not even going to go to that scripture. You guys know that story. She was a Samaritan. He's a Hebrew. They don't communicate. They don't talk. And he asked her to give, her, give him a cup of water. How could a man like you be asking me, a woman of all things, for a cup of water? And you don't even have anything to, to get the water. And yet after he told her a little bit about her past... She was so amazed, she went back and got the whole Samaritan village to come out and see the Messiah. He has to be the Messiah. He immediately put her into the ministry. It's just amazing if we can just get past our past. Jesus does not call the qualified or the righteous. He calls the shunned and the outcast. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? I am the shunned and the outcast standing before you. And yet he has called me to lead you. Let's look at Isaiah 43. Let's look at the Old Testament, what the prophet Isaiah, he said in verse 18, he says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make the road in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. If we fail to heed this scripture, we are opening the doors of the enemy to enter us according to what God has called. The devil wants to use our past and cause affliction to our future. 
We must not give our past the opportunity to tell us what we can do or we cannot do in our future. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Does anybody else feel like that? I hope so. This is one you should put on the refrigerator, man. You should be looking. It should be in the mirror in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But how many times do we start thinking about who we are and things that we've done? And maybe something's gone south in your life. Maybe a husband or wife has left you. You don't understand why. You don't even know what's going on, and you start recounting who you are in your past. God doesn't want you to do that. The life which I now live is a significant phrase. It indicates that we are not focusing on what we used to do or who we used to be. The life that I now live. That's what we should be saying. The life that I now live, not who I was. How do we do that? We do it by faith. We get this faith by hearing the word of God. Do you realize that? Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. That's why a lot of times when I'm alone, I read the Bible out loud. I want my head to hear it. It's something about hearing the Word of God. It's something about listening to the Word of God, and and it will change you. This brings me to point number two. God dismisses the background of even the worst sinners who get born again. We are not who we used to be. We must accept this by faith and would and diligently remind ourselves who we are in Christ. Second Corinthians five, verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Man, we need to hang on to that. This is what God has given us, the spirit of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. I'm not who I used to be. Let's look at, look at Luke 9, 62. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man, it's quiet in here. Let's read this one again. Jesus said to him, no one, no one having put his hand to the plow Do you understand what he's talking about? 
Let me explain it to these kids because they're paying attention. They ain't like this. Putting his hand to the plow, he's referring to our Christian faith. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it requires work to be a Christian. It requires work. So that's how he puts it in here. He says, you put your hands to the plow. You're plowing through this earth, building your Christian faith. But then you look back to your old life. Maybe a couple different ways. Maybe you're looking back on, I don't deserve to be on this plow. I don't deserve to have this opportunity to be working this ground, which is the fertile ground of someone that you're in relationship with, a friend, a neighbor. I don't deserve it. I know who I was. I know the things I did. I don't deserve to be here. That person who does that is not fit for the kingdom of God. A person that looks back, or you could be looking back going, man, I miss those days that I used to hang out cussing, smoking and drinking. I miss those days. Man, I don't. And I remember they were important to me for too long a portion of my life. But I don't want to look back. I refuse to look back. I refuse to let the back, the past, reflect into my future. So that's what he's saying here. When you put your hand on the plow, you're living the Christian faith. You're going to go this direction. Don't look back. We must look straight ahead and focus on God's call on our lives. The devil wants you, wants to divide your focus by distracting us and getting us to look back. Looking back behind us impacts our focus. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. See, I love what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He got the green tag. God looked at him and counted him faithful. It's time to move on. It's time to move into ministry. It's time to do something new. He counted him faithful, putting me into ministry. He says in verse 13, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That's what we do when we're in unbelief. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse 15, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save a man like me. But the Apostle Paul says, who I am the chief. He came into this world to save sinners, and he says, I'm the chief. I'm going to have to sit down with Paul someday in heaven. Now he won't even want to talk about that. He'll say, that's the past. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. Right now is what matters. Moving forward is what matters. Verse 16 says, How for this very reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. 
that Christ Jesus might show all long-suffering. All right, kids, do you guys know what long-suffering means? It's interesting. I hear my stupid thing making noise. Long-suffering. If you're being bad and your mom or your dad has to keep getting after you and keep getting after you and keep getting after you, and yet they haven't killed you yet, your mom and dad is in long-suffering. They're being patient, and they keep telling you, you got to do it right, you got to do it right, you got to stop acting this way, you got to start treating people better, you got to treat your sister better, you got to treat your brother better, you got to do this. That's long-suffering. God is there long-suffering with our foolishness, longing for us to finally come to him and realize he's been patiently waiting. Through all that time, it's called long-suffering. Jesus is long-suffering, and that's how we're to be. You know how easy it is for sometimes of us, you know, we'll, somebody will come to church and, and they're, they're moving along, and all of a sudden we see them hanging out at the bar. And we go, some kind of Christian that guy is or that girl is. Heck with them. No. Long-suffering. People are people. They're going to do what people do. They're foolish. They just do what they do. We've got to continue to love them. We don't just write them off. We don't just cast them out. Jesus hasn't cast them out. They have a right to make a decision. And our right is to live our lives to where it becomes an example for them to see. I, I just don't understand why, why you, you seem to be so happy all the time, Pastor. Well, try living a little closer to Jesus. You'll, you'll find that happiness. You're always looking back and you think there's something better behind you. God chooses to forget our sins and even asks us to tell him what we want him to remember about us. When we declare things like we are the righteous, redeemed, blessed, prosperous, these things he will remember. He wants to hear it from us. I am the righteousness of God. I am blessed. Joe and I are so blessed to be in the house that we're living in. We tell each other almost daily, do you realize how blessed we are to be here? It's just incredible. Just, we need to realize what God is doing for us and through us. Isaiah 43, 25 and 26, he said, I, even I, am he who holds out your transgressions for my own sake. Even I, God is speaking here. The Isaiah is writing it, but God is speaking. He's speaking through Isaiah. He says, I, even I, am he. Notice the capital H. That's God who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Praise God. He's not going to have to remind me of who I was. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. God wants us to tell him to ask for forgiveness. To say, I realize I was wrong. He wants us to, to tell him, and he'll, he'll get us acquitted, but he says, state your case. When we come to him, we need to just tell him, God, forgive me. 
I'm going to stop looking back and continue to look forward. It brings me to point number three. God has a plan for each one of us. And we must not allow the past to hold us back from it. We cannot fight the spiritual battles we face with our own willpower. We need God. Thank you. We must cast out our cares on Him, for He cares for us. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. I didn't put that on the board. We defeat the devil by laughing at Him and being joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Didn't we sing that this morning? The joy of the Lord is our strength. In fact, that may be our next foundation message next week, is the joy of the Lord. Do you realize we're supposed to be happy? We're supposed to have smiles on our face? And the Bible gives us a clear description of how to be joyful. Do you know the Bible? I think I will do this next week. It actually will tell us to leap and to spin around. Now, I'm not recommending any older folks to leap and spin around because you might fall down because I nearly do every time I do. But I'm telling you, it works because it's so silly to just leap in place and spin around three times. You'll start laughing in the joy of the Lord. He'll, he'll bring to your remembrance all the loving kindness. It's in the Word. I'll show you next week. I guess I set myself up for that, didn't I? I know what I'm doing. When we praise God, even in the midst of our troubles, we will see there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. And that we are the head and we're not the tail. Do we believe this stuff? It's all in the Word. We do not need to put up with the devil when we have the authority. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. 1 John 4, 4. Our past can cause us guilt, condemnation, and shame. This will produce fear, stress, and paranoia. Paranoia. Let's look at it another way. How about past victories? Will cause us to be satisfied with what we've accomplished. And they may paralyze us in the past, stopping us from obtaining future victories. You know, we got to think about that too. We, we did so good. Man, we did so good. Man, man, you remember that church over there, Tim? We were over there. We did so good. That would be living in the past. That's gone. Just because we had victories there, and I'm going I'm to base all my life on those victories? No. I'm going to base it on these victories on the victories we see here today and now. We must not be so obsessed with what we did before that we cannot focus on our future opportunities. We must not allow the past to govern our lives by dictating or controlling our thoughts. It is important that we know what to think. We need to know what to think on and what thoughts to avoid. Do you realize the Bible tells us to capture every thought? Every thought. 
to capture every thought. I mean, just think about it. That's a lot. But it's important. If you have some evil thinking going on, capture that thought and cast it out. You know how you do that? With words. Reject that way of thinking. I'm a child of the Most High God. You start speaking to that brain of yours that keeps that Satan's trying to... And you reject it. You speak it verbally. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 8. We'll give you something to smile about. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy meditate on these things. The Bible gives us a clear prescription of what we should be thinking about. What is beautiful, what is holy, what is right, what is pure. This is the things that we should be thinking about and meditating on these things. Verse 9 says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow. It's as easy as controlling our thoughts. You want to know why you're feeling the way you're thinking? Maybe you need to get a hold of your thoughts. What have you been thinking? Well, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, just my thing. Oh, it has to do with everything. You've got to capture those thoughts. Are my thoughts pleasing to God? Am I just believing nothing but negativity about my life and the way things are going? You've got to capture those thoughts, and you've got to speak to those thoughts and reject them. Paul said, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. And we have defrauded no man. You believe the Apostle Paul was saying that in Corinthians? Does anybody remember who the Apostle Paul was before Jesus met him on that road? You know, he, 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 was, he was part of the killing of Stephen, the stoning of him. He held all their coats while the other guys were throwing around. He didn't stop it. He was going to places and dragging people out of their houses where they're having Christian group meetings and dragging them to prison. And then Jesus came into his life. And now he has the audacity to say, I have corrupted no man, I've, I've swindled no man, I have hurt no man. How could he say that? Because he's looking to the future. He's not looking into his past. He's not that man anymore. He's, doesn't, he's not that guy. Paul refused to go back and live in the past. By faith, he stayed where he was in Christ. Therefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. This is Acts 20, 26. It's not on the board. We should remain constant in this way of thinking. This requires... A foundation. It requires a foundation, and we must not vacillate from one thing to another. 
believing in it in one day and doubting it the next. This only accomplished, this can only be accomplished by the renewing of your mind. In the past, there was much blood on Paul's hands, but he took his position in Christ seriously. He didn't have to look back. He didn't have to remember who he was. He just knows who he is now. Do we do that? Or do we look into our past and say, I'm not worthy. I, 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 I can't do it. I, you know, I know who I was. I know who I was, and I don't like the guy. He's dead. I now live in Christ Jesus. The old George is dead. He's buried. He's gone. And I wouldn't dig him up for anything in this world. Like new babies, we all get born again. When you get born again, you don't have a past. You only have a future. You only can look ahead at what God is going to do in the head. We've got to stay out of the past. We can't continue to live in the past. Even if the past was so good that you can't now get past what was good before and get into the future of what God has for you now. We have to live now and look towards the future. We have to stop looking to our past. It doesn't count. It doesn't add up for anything. I've had many guys that I've, I've counseled in the jail ministry and prison ministry, and they'll want to tell me their story. And I'm the one guy that is willing to sit there and listen. And I'll hear their story. And it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's, it's horrible. But here's the deal. You tell me your story. You put it on the table. You tell me all about it. I'm not going to let you talk about it anymore after that. I've heard the story. You have to now move away from that story. That's in the past. We can't change the past. You're sitting here doing your time. Great, do your time, but you can't go back. We have to go to the future. If I come in next week and you start telling me the story again, I'm going to ask you to leave. I don't want to hear it again. It's not that I don't care. I do care, but I've got to train you to start thinking towards the future. What's life going to be when I get out of here? Or are you going to go back? You're just going to go back to you know, what's safe, what you know. A lot of us are living in the past, and we don't even realize it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think there's probably a fair number of us that we, we keep thinking about our past. Well, I can't do this because I can't. God's not going to use me because. No, that's not true. Not true at all. God has a plan and a purpose for your future. Amen. Tony, could you come back? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not in your past. It's in your future. And we need to get used to living in the future. 